This is Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Haraney. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. If you can write a review, really appreciate it. It helps us grow the show. You can also watch us on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. The U.S. Grand Prix is here, and we are in Texas. Austin, Texas, to be precise, uh, to cover the race. And um, just got done with media day. So taping this on a Thursday uh, evening from the Airbnb. Uh, as you can see, it's a lovely place. Um, but no, really, it actually is a really nice place. Uh, Austin's great. This is my third time coming to the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin to cover it. Um, 2019 was my first time covering the Austin Grand Prix. So I've raced on the track. So the, the track itself, I've driven on it a um, long time ago and then also currently. But this is the the first time, or, sorry, this is the third time that I've been covering uh, the Formula One race when it comes to here. But it's great. I love Austin. It's, a, it's an incredible city. If you ever get a chance to come here for the event, do it. It's a lot of fun. They take good care of you. Uh, just trying to get from city to track they make it pretty seamless for you which is you know for some races it's kind of not really like that but for here in particular what they do is they have bus stops set up around the city where you know let's say you're staying out in the west end there's a bus stop section that is set up where you can walk to it you get on and they drive you all the way out on this big yellow school bus out to the racetrack. They let you off and these buses are running and circulating all throughout the the the, the, uh, the early morning and really late at night too because they have concerts um, that they put on after uh, on-track events. So I think this weekend, uh, the Killers and Queen are playing. There's also some more artists as well um, that are going to be playing this weekend at the same time. But all in all, I love it. Love the city. Love the atmosphere. It's a ton of fun. All right. Let's get into it. Let's start talking. Okay, so uh, today was Thursday, media day. Saw Adam Driver. So yes, the Adam Driver, the actor, saw him today. Uh, he was getting wheeled around the racetrack by one of the Ferrari drivers. It was Carlos Sainz wheeling Adam Driver around coda charlotte claire may also have driven him around too i didn't see that part of it but the one part that i did see pretty neat he's a tall guy adam driver very tall seems like a super nice guy though that was cool that was for me one of the highlights because he's got a movie um based on enzo ferrari coming out at christmas time called ferrari directed by michael mann uh, really looking forward to seeing that because he plays Enzo Ferrari. And you know what? The first trailer came out and I was kind of like, ah, you know what? There's, I can't really, you know, picture this guy as Enzo Ferrari, but watch the second trailer and I was blown away. And I'm like, yes, okay. He is Enzo Ferrari. Texted my partner. I'm like, yo, we are going to see this. Here's the trailer. Let's go. Anyways, shows up at the track today. Incredible. Um, yeah, pretty awesome. So, if we start looking into the, the weekend a little bit more, you know, even though Red Bull Racing, you know, they've won the Constructors Championship and Max Verstappen, well, he's sewn up his third driver's title. So there's still 
you know, lots to, to talk about. I mean, some people may tune in and they're like, well, why am I watching this? Cause they're not really battling for it. Well, there is, there is a lot of storylines going on and there's a battle for second in the driver's championship. And there's a battle for second constructors and so on and so forth. And those are great stories. And there's all kinds of cool shit happening around here. So let's get into some of this. So on track battle uh, for second and drivers. So right now, you know, it's getting really close between Sergio Perez and Lewis Hamilton. And it was funny coming out of the summer break. I remember hearing from Lewis and really him talking about the main goal, the main objective for himself was to come from fourth in the drivers, get past Fernando Alonso for third, and then battle Sergio Perez for second in the driver's standings. You know, at the time when he was saying that, like, I was like, I mean, look, come on, let's be honest here. I mean, you're not going to get that. I mean, you're so far behind, but... And just a mix of things, Sergio performing poorly, Lewis performing quite well. Uh, and now that gap has has really shrunk. It's shrunk big time where it's, that's an interesting storyline. So what happens to Checo once, you know, if Lewis is to move into P2 and overtake him and beat him for second in the driver's standings at the end of the season? You know, what happens to Checo? Does he get replaced? I mean, he could. I still think he stays on. I still think Sergio is back at the team in 2024. And I think if he has dips in performance in 2024, you know, then would be the time where they would, you know, most likely replace him. But we'll get into Sergio a little bit more. Uh, a little bit later in the podcast. Uh, I want to jump over to the uh, battle for second in the constructor standings, Ferrari Mercedes, you know, battling for second. Mercedes has it right now. Ferrari's closing in as well. Uh, Ferrari trails Mercedes by just 28 points. They weren't great. Ferrari wasn't great in Qatar. Um, and like I had said on the last pod, you know, if George and Lewis hadn't have collided, I mean, George just would have had a good shot at winning that thing. He had the right amount of tires left. He had he had the pace to beat Max, especially on the strategy end. So, yeah, that was you could hear the frustration in George's voice at the end of the Qatar Grand Prix. Cuz I think like he as well as many of us thought that that was a shot. That was a shot for George to, to potentially win. And, you know, they had that happen to them. Ferrari, though, wasn't great. That wasn't a great weekend for them. Obviously, Carlos Sainz not starting due to the uh, the fuel leak issue, fuel pump issue that was happening with his car. You know, he said today, like, during the driver's press conference that, you know, that was mentally, it was hard for him to sit there and, and watch. Um. And as he's telling us this, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, wow, like, you know, this like, you know, big time competitor there. Like that's like to hear a driver actually say that, that that was actually agonizing for him to sit there and, and watch as Charles Leclerc was able to race and, and he wasn't. And, and then you have to factor in like the travel and going from, you know, the UK and <laughs> flying all the way out to Qatar 
to compete and then not being able to do all that, but you're also doing all the preparation on the side and all that other kind of stuff, you know, it can be quite frustrating. I can understand for sure. So this weekend for Ferrari is a big one. I think they're going to be quite strong here. I think Mercedes is going to be strong as well. Uh, they are bringing a new floor to the car for this weekend. So that'll be interesting to see what happens with, with the Mercedes on that end. As for the Ferrari, I mean, they got the pace to be quick here. They really do. Mercedes has always been fast at Coda. It's just a track that they go really well at, but I think, I think Ferrari is one uh, to look out for. Again, they trail Mercedes by 28 points in the constructors. Um, yeah, I think that's going to be, that's going to be an interesting battle. I think between those two, uh, you know, McLaren's resurgence has been, you know, really, really interesting. And I sat down and spoke with uh, Oscar Piastri today and we were talking about, you know, is this, is this real? Like, is this something, is this a fluke? Or is this something that's actually like real? And I don't think it is a fluke. And neither does he. Like, <clears throat> as he explains that every single upgrade that they put onto this car has worked, that's impressive. Like, if you go down to Aston Martin, the same can't be said there. And that's the team the McLaren is trying to catch for fourth in a constructor standings. I think they're like 11 points behind. But at the end of the day, like if you're Oscar Piastri and you know you've re-upped with the you've extended your contract with this team, you have to be happy about what Andreas Stella and his group, what they've done behind the scenes, uh, in really bring this car back from the precipice of disaster. Because the start of the season, it was not good at McLaren. Team morale in the dumps. And I think as a rookie for Oscar, you know, you're having to not only deal with a really bad car and learn, it's like drinking through a fire hose for Oscar though, did a great job of accumulating the knowledge that he needed to. And he's been learning on the way, right? Like he's, he's been growing as this season has been progressing. And I think you know, that's a huge, huge feather in his cap. I really do. That's, it's a big time deal for a rookie to do what he's doing because it says a lot about the talent this kid's got. It's a sprint race weekend. So, you know, anything can happen, but Oscar doesn't feel they're going to be as competitive this weekend as they were in previous weekends. And, and by what he's saying is, you know, they're not going to, they're probably not going to be fighting for pole position or possibly P2 and qualifying, but they can be fighting for Ferrari with Ferrari. They can be fighting with Aston Martin. They can be fighting with Mercedes. And for, for them, that's the goal and objective for this weekend. And it was also really interesting, you know, McLaren had brought their last big upgrade to Singapore. And that was to help with um, essentially grip and balance in slow speed corners, slow speed sections. 
And we talked to Oscar about that today because we haven't really heard whether or not it worked, right? Like the upgrades that they brought to Austria, they worked. The car goes really well in high-speed corners. That's where it comes to life. But in the slower-speed stuff, they were really struggling. So Oscar confirmed that the data that they had accumulated over the past few races from this upgrade, it's working. And so McLaren has nailed every single upgrade that they have brought to this car this season. That is impressive. That is like a 100% record for upgrades being brought to the car. Not any team. There is no team on this grid right now that can say those words that every upgrade they had worked. So I find that extremely fascinating and I'm excited to see what these guys can do next season. But yeah, Daniel Ricardo, he's back. Um, saw him today. Uh, it was funny. I was in the, uh, I was in the press conference room <clears throat> And I'm just sitting in there waiting for the drivers to come in. And I've forgotten that Daniel Ricciardo was even uh, coming into that press conference because they don't take every single driver from from all the teams. They just choose one driver per team to bring them into the FIA press conference. So I was sitting in there. And Daniel Ricciardo comes like walking in with these cowboy chaps on. And like these things look like they were painted onto him like – he was worried about sitting down on the couch where they do the interviews because he thought he was going to, his ass cheeks were going to rip through this thing. Like he had the cowboy boots on. He had the huge belt buckle on. It was great. It was a scene for sure. Um, I took a picture of it. I'm going to post it on my uh, social medias uh, later, but it was hilarious, man. And throughout all of uh, the press conference, I was watching Ricardo and he was trying to make Verstappen laugh the entire, the entire thing. And I don't know what he was doing, but like Verstappen would have to like look away from Danny Rick. Cause he knew if he kept looking at him and whatever he was doing, like Verstappen was going to lose it. Like in this press conference, it's just break down crying. So like I was killing myself at that. That was hilarious. But yeah, you know what? It's good to have Danny Rick back in the paddock. He's a good personality. He's funny. Great sense of humor. Great guy to talk to as well. Um, done plenty of interviews with him in the past and still have more coming up. And yeah, he's he's great. But Ricardo said that, you know, he was he was able to maintain a lot of his fitness over the over this time that he's been out of the car. And so rehabbing his broken hand. Um, obviously he didn't go to Qatar. Liam Lawson was in the car for, for that. Uh, and you know, for, for Danny Rick, he stayed back. He stayed back in the UK. Uh, he spent a lot of time on the simulator. He told us he went to the bills game and, um, yeah, really just try to keep that fitness up. One of the things he said though, is trying to keep the strength up when the hand is, is broken in terms of like, weights weight bearing exercises so it'll be interesting to see how that upper body kind of holds up for him in this weekend's race there there are a lot of straightaways on this track so there is time for the drivers to rest he's not going to be too too busy there is high g loading at this track but yeah at the same time i think he'll he probably won't 
be as tired as if it were like Singapore or if it was Qatar, um, that would, then it would be a different story for sure. Uh, but anyway, so he flew to Nashville this week and he did, uh, he did a show run on the streets of Nashville, uh, with an old Red Bull racing car. He had a great time in Nashville, he's saying. And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting to hear like how much some of these drivers have to travel, but then still show up fresh to do like a media day. Cause like, you know, we're talking, you know, Ricardo going from the UK flying over here uh, and then going to Nashville and then Nashville doing the demo run, meeting all the fans, doing interviews there, uh, getting on another plane, coming all the way over to, to Austin, had a day off. And then coming right in and us just <laughs> really grilling him when he when he rolled in just so we could uh, see how he's been. Frustration for him was top of mind being out of the car for so long. He felt like he was just getting back into starting to get back into his rhythm um, just as he got hurt. Uh, he also spoke about Liam Lawson and, and spoke well about him, said that if he's able to hang around in Formula One, he'll probably one day have a seat somewhere because he was very impressive. Let's talk a bit about struggling drivers. You know, I'd, I'd mentioned Sergio Perez like earlier and, you know, Christian Horner's comments following the Qatar Grand Prix, you know, the teams that are, that are chasing them have two drivers that are, really pushing them is essentially what Christian had said. So he's talking about Ferrari, two great drivers, Mercedes, two great drivers, McLaren, same thing. And they don't. Red Bull doesn't, essentially is what he's saying. So if Perez is I if Perez is going to be this bad in 2024, then you know they they just can't have it. They can't they can't have that because of all these other teams with their driver combos. Sergio is, you know, this week, next season, you know, it's going to be harder for them to win the constructors, potentially drivers as well. Like, you know, potentially having Max win a fourth driver's title could also be extremely difficult. I mean, they need a strong number two. Um, Max needs a strong teammate that will push him, but also a teammate that'll take those points away from those other teams and drivers and their competitors. And so I think one of the things for Sergio is getting comfortable with the balance of the race car. And this has, I think, been a this has been a theme. This has been something that I think like Lance Stroll, Logan Sargent, and a few others, Dana Ricardo you know, have been struggling with in this ground effect era, this new regulation that we are currently under. It's, it's trying to find the right balance for the car where you're going to be able to keep your confidence. And I think if we talk about, you know, Lance, uh, I mean, I think something similar affects Sergio as well. I'm not saying that they're the same driver or they, you know, they they drive the same, but I think it affects, I think it affects him as well. I mean, I think for you know for Lance, he feels that the the car has gone away from him. 
So essentially he's feeling that the car is a lot more snappier. So the rear end, like breaking loose easier, harder to get back once it gets, once it breaks loose and it's making the car like unpredictable. And so with having an unpredictable, you know, race car that, that really hammers your confidence. And so if we go back to the start of the season, you know, the car had a much bigger window for both Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll to, to operate in. Um, obviously, Fernando's performances now, they're a lot different from what they were at the beginning of the season. He was on a podium tear where now he's just struggling to get into the top 10 for qualifying and finishing, you know, trying to finish in the top 10 to score some points for the team. And I think for Lance, it's, and for Fernando, you know, once they put that upgrade on the race car in Canada, it's kind of almost like, you know, when I look at it, the team is chasing performance, right? The team is chasing downforce. And that is putting the car out of the driver's window where at the beginning of the season, it really seemed like for Lance, you know, the car was a lot more predictable. It had a bigger window. And now he's kind of lost that feeling, if that makes any sense. So it doesn't have that big window. It sucks your confidence. And so it's sort of a downward sort of spiral for, for the driver. And the upgrades that they brought have created side effects. And so I think at the end of the day, you know, when we look at all this and you say, well, Fernando Alonso isn't struggling. No, he's not struggling, but he's also not performing at the, you know, at the sharper end of the grid. But Fernando Alonso is performing at an incredible level. Like he's doing things with that car that <sighs> I don't think there's really any, not a lot of drivers in the world who can do what Fernando Alonso is doing right now. He's extremely impressive. And so as a driver for Lance, that frustrates him. He's, you know, was closer at the beginning of the season. And then once after Canada, Austria, once you get to the British Grand Prix, it starts to fall away from him. So the team is bringing upgrades. Aston Martin is for this weekend. Uh, check out my Twitter page on Friday and I'll update what those upgrades are. And I think for team principal, you know, Mike Crack, it's something that they really need to look into. And yeah, they're going to have to really experiment with to try and, you know, help Lance finish on a high these next few races so he can have the confidence within himself to go into the offseason. And I think that offseason for Lance, I think that's got to be, look, you take two weeks off and then you come back in every single day until testing you are doing something in a race car it doesn't matter what it is but you are doing something you're driving something and you're in the sim i think i think with this new generation of driver you know you have to push yourself to that level so that you know you can be on top with all of you know the, these younger drivers that are coming in that's all they do you know they're on the sim they're on the go-karts they're 
um, they're just driving. They're always driving, 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 driving. And I think, you know, that's that level that, you know, Max Verstappen is kind of set here, right? Where it's, you know, when Max is not in the RB19, he's back home in Monaco on the sim. That's what he's doing. Or he's at Red Bull Racing Factory on their sim. So I think that's that's the level that I think these drivers are at these days. You know, it's just he's raised it to 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 a to a higher bar Max Verstappen has. Um Pirelli. So we go back to last week. Uh Pirelli gets their contract accepted by Formula One, and it's not Bridgestone. And so Bridgestone did put in a bid to try and become a tire manufacturer within Formula One. And Formula One, there were some teams there that really wanted Bridgestone on, on board. But anyways, Pirelli's going to be back. Their contract covers them um, for, the, for the 2025 to 2027 season. There's an option for a fourth year in 2028. Now, if that 2028 option is taken up, then Pirelli, well, they'll have been making tires for F1 for 18 years. So I, I think one of the reasons that they stuck with Pirelli was the fact that over the years, working with teams, understanding how much teams are able to claw back performance and then predict how much downforce a car is going to be running in the following year and then making a tire that suits that. I mean, not every year is perfect with these tires. I mean, this year they had to make an adjustment. Um, but I think for Formula One, that gives them confidence because Pirelli was able to make that in-season adjustment for this year. And so I think that was huge for them keeping this contract. But yeah, Formula One obviously seems extremely happy about it. I would have liked to have seen Bridgestone get involved a little more aggressively maybe and maybe we have a tire war again, but uh, yeah, I'll save that for another day. Um, touch on Mercedes real quick here before we get going. Uh, like I was saying off the top there, upgrade for this weekend, uh, new floor. Um, I think like for Mercedes at this point, you know, yes, they're, they're bringing this new floor, but I think it's more along the lines of looking at what works, what works for next year and really test if they're on the right track for 2024. I am extremely impressed at what Mercedes has had to do this season. If you go back to the start, the car was no good. They decided to still push on in that direction with that zero side pod concept until they get to Monaco and they bring this brand new aerodynamic package and it sets them on this different direction where now they've been able to get themselves into second, the constructor standings, if you can actually believe that, it's pretty wild. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think this car that we see, you know, this has been just a, a baseline you know, reset for the entire team, right? I mean, obviously, they need to do more, but they haven't. But I think that's because of a few factors, one of them being that, they're taking a lot of their, you know, wind tunnel testing time, their CFD time, and they're putting that towards what they had this year, putting that towards next year's car. So essentially sort of doubling up almost, right? So they're always working on next year's car. And I think they've been working on that for quite a while. 
I would, I would say probably June for sure. Um, they've managed to do a lot with this car in terms of, you know, the, the side impact structure, what's really affected them in the chassis. So like this car for next season is going to look totally different. Um, I can see them catching up. Like I can see them catching up to, to Red Bull. Maybe not, maybe not like beating them outright at every single race, but I could see it more as a battle for next season, you know, for sure. Um, you just for, for them trying to catch up to Red Bull next year, it's just, it's a, it's a monumental effort. It'll take the entire team and it's going to take George and, and Lewis at the same time. Like if, if we look at it, Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin, they're all going to take big steps for 2024. Those cars are going to be a lot more different. They're going to be faster. They're also going to claw back, you know, performance from Red Bull as well. So, and Red Bull's going to move that goalpost. And so what Mercedes is doing at the factory, like it's 24 seven and they have to be sure that the direction that they are on for next season is the right one and zero mistakes from here on out. Cause if they make one little mistake in the off season, forget about it. They need to start 2020, 20, 2024. Well, James Allison, you know, <clears throat> and his team have been working night and day behind the scenes. And I think for, for George and Lewis, what they've been doing in their off time is they're going to the factory. They're working with the engineers at the factory. They're trying to unearth all of the data and information that the drivers have and is spilling it into the engineers at the factory just so they can give them everything that they've got to turn this thing around. The drivers are going in on the weeks, weekends where they have off. That normally doesn't happen. I mean, usually the only time engineers really get to work with drivers is at the racetrack during Grand Prix weekends. But that is working with the driver to make the car faster for that weekend, not make the car faster for the future. And so it is going to be a total team effort on all fronts for Mercedes. If they want to get back to their winning ways for 2024, uh, Alfa Romeo, keep an eye on them this weekend. Uh, Valtteri Bottas showed up looking like a cowboy. That was pretty cool. I posted it over on my uh, Twitter. Um, they're climbing their way back. Alfa Romeo is climbing their way back through the standings. Uh, they have had a remarkable turnaround in performance of late. And uh, for them, they feel they can track down and pass Williams for seventh in the constructor standings. So it'll be interesting to see if they're going to be able to do that. I think every single race they go to from here on out, it's going to be really fine margins to break into that top 10, to score that one point, to score those two points, uh, to get that ninth place. It's going to be really difficult for them, but they have to be perfect from from here on out to, to do it. But I'm interested to watch that battle because, you know, for Williams, it's, um, you know, seeing them this high up, you know, they haven't been this high up in the constructor standings for a very long time. And for them to be this high. Yeah. They, you know, I had dinner with the, the Williams team last night and like they, they, they are ready for this battle with Alfa Romeo. They, they said it. And at the end of the day, I'm excited to see, what Alex Albon could do. We were talking about Logan Sargent. When could he score his first points? And if he's going to be back next season and so many good storylines down at Williams too. Um, anyways, I have uh, Zach Brown coming on the show on Friday. 
Uh, get your questions in, and I will put them to Zach. You've been listening to Nailing the Apex. Please head on over to Spotify. Give us a five-star rating and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts as well. You can watch us on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Tim Haraney. And I'll be back uh, later on this weekend as well with more from the U.S. Grand Prix. Also, like I had said, the Zach Brown thing uh, should be posted either Friday or Monday we may run it into the show. I haven't gotten confirmation on that just yet, but I will post it on my socials to let you know when that podcast will be coming out. Thanks again, everyone, for watching and listening, and we'll talk to you all later.